Bonjour, good evening and welcome to French Football Weekly, the podcast. Uh, I say good evening every week. You could be listening to this during the day, so apologies if this isn't your evening. I am your host, Chris, anyway, and uh, I know you're all itching to know the speed dating went well. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> However, the outcome was somewhat different, but I'll just let that brew and tease the listeners who I'm sure really don't care. Uh, I'll introduce my panellists this evening. And we'll get straight into the action. First of all, it's Mr. Jeremy Smith. Good evening, Jez. Hi, how are you doing? All good, all good, thank you. And uh, Brighton's still going well as well, so I'm sure you're happy, at least from an English perspective, so that's good. <laughs> and uh, also, good evening to Phil. How are you, Phil? I'm, I'm fine. I have been fielding emails from my Rochdale supporting family members uh, <laughs> since, since the weekend. Of course, yes. And they were just a mere deli alley tumble away from getting through. Who'd have thought? <laughs> Cheating little tyke. Anyway, we'll leave that behind. Right. Um, show is going to be a little bit uh, a little bit the same, but a little bit different order this week. So we're going to kind of work our way European backwards, if you will. Um, and there was a certain game uh, last week on Valentine's Day that I'm sure you will all be interested in us giving you our views on. So we will start there and uh, work our way into Liga after that. So, Phil, let's start with you. Uh, Real Madrid 3, Paris Saint-Germain 1. Champions League, of course. This was the 14th of February. PSG, the sole representative in the Champions League. Uh, Quote-unquote, one of the favourites. It was all going so well. And Mm -hmm. then... Um, what do you and make then, of the result? Yeah. Yes, and then, and then, and then. Um, yeah, this is thing. I think uh, people were saying, you know, obviously one-one, fine. Even at two-one, that's okay. You've got an away goal, but that final kind of uh, final strike that uh, made it three-one to Real. You looked at Emery on the sidelines. The man was so pale. I I have people kind of tweeting me saying, I feel ill looking at him. He looked absolutely done. And possibly that was because he realised what he had done. There was an interesting team selection to start with. Um, We've got La Celsa, who we've discussed before. Obviously, he's uh, a great player, but he is more of an attacking bent. And he ended up back there in kind of the DM role. And didn't do very well. But when you look at, what was it, the, the first PSG substitution was to take Cavani off and bring Murnia on. So you've got two right-backs on the pitch. One right-back is now playing right-wing. The right-wing is now centre-forward. I mean, it just it seemed a, a very strange approach to take in that situation. That was when they were 1-1. He clearly seem to be taking the Laurent Blanc approach of trying to hang on to uh, a point by playing two right-backs. And it just kind of fell apart at at the end. Munia did not do well um, in his substitution appearance. And Lo Celso got hammered, I think, in the the notes from L'Equipe that I saw and and France Foot. Um, But arguably, you know, it's a bit unfair to that's not the guy's job usually. And so it was a very awkward um, situation. Uh, I think the keeper still saying, yes, you can still do it, but uh, that's going to take an awful lot of concentration and organization and cohesion 
which may not be something that's, you know, big in spades in the PSG department at the moment. So it was, uh, I think, a, a troubling result, uh, a disappointing result, given, obviously, the, the firepower they've got, that they weren't able to do more with it, that, you know, the goal was from Rabio, which is great, but not from um, that, that forward line, which is, um, you know, so, so vaunted. Yeah, there's some excellent points there. I mean, where where to go from here, Jazz? I guess I'll um, I'll kind of turn it over to you for for your thoughts on the game overall. Um, and we do have to we we have to touch on the Lo Celso thing. It's entirely my fault. I hold my hands up. The minute I praise a player, it all goes a bit wonky. So uh, he was thrown in at the deep end, um, and it didn't really work out for the lad on the night, did it? What what did you make of the overall PSG performance and and do you, do you sort of see it as a real missed opportunity given how much of the game they led for? Um, I guess so, yeah. I mean, I, first of all, 3-1 is it's really not the end of the world against uh, what I still think is a shaky Real Madrid defence and still not the same, sort of not as effective a forward line as it's been the last couple of years. And, you know, obviously there's arguments to say this Real Madrid are better than last year's Barcelona, but... This is still a PSG who are capable of beating Barcelona 4-0 at home. There's no reason why they can't, in theory, get a result against Real Madrid as well. Um, I think the away goal was was very important and, and you know could prove to be the 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 you know the crucial goal overall when it comes to the end of the the end of the two legs. Um, but at the same time, obviously uh, that third goal. It's not even just the fact that it means that now there's a two-goal deficit. It obviously makes the, the task a little bit harder. I think there's that goal gives some kind of psychological edge as well. Mm. <laughs> you know, you can see people like Barry Glendening and Barney Rene, who both seem to have such a really have it in for PSG for, for some reason or other, sort of wringing their hands, going, oh, this is classic PSG, absolutely no bottle, blah, 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 that kind of thing. And, you know, to an extent, they've got a point because a team of PSG's calibre, even faced with a team of Rail's calibre, once they went the 2-1 down, they really, I, they really should have sort of battened down the hatches and just kept it to that, I think. Mm. Um, and that the, was when they went 2-1 down, they took off Lo Celso and brought on Draxler, which is like Lo Celso wasn't doing very well, fine, but he was still the only guy attempting to play holding midfield in that situation. So that also seemed like a, a weird sub. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, also on the other side, there's um, <laughs> Real Madrid brought on Asensio, who I think should be an absolute fixture in Real Madrid's first team anyway. I don't understand why why he's not starting every match for them. I think he's a fantastic player and, you know, he, he did have a big part in both goals. Um and, you know, the arguably the, the fault on those two goals were not necessarily down to, to players who'd come on, but Ariola maybe could have done better, Marquinhos mm. maybe could have done better. Overall I th- I think there were some very positive things about PSG and yeah, for most of the match I think they they more than matched um, Real Madrid, but there were also things that went wrong. And um, the 
maybe the concern or the frustration is all the things that went wrong with things that you probably could have predicted would go wrong and have been concerns that we and everyone else have been going on about for a long time. Mm-hmm. I think Emery has got a little bit too much stick. Um, I tweeted at one point that I think more than any other manager, he seems to get all the blame when things go wrong and none of the credit when things go right. I'm not his biggest fan. I'm not sure he's up to the job in general. But I actually uh, kind of admired him for for the changes he made. And for the most part, I don't think they were bad changes. I think Kimpembe for Thiago Silva, absolutely all day long. I love mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, Lo Celso, I think, was a, a bad decision. But again, he hasn't. He didn't have that much choice. Motta was out. Rabio seems to be allowed to get away with saying, "I don't want to play there, so I'm not going to play there." And Diara, you know, on with hindsight, yes, maybe they should have risked Diara. But at the same time, like I said last week, he's a he's someone who's basically in semi-retirement, who's only been back for a couple of weeks. So you know, that's also risky against Real Madrid, mm-hmm. and it's. It's not Unai Emery's fault that um, the powers that be at PSG have managed that position or the way they spend their money or whatever it is so badly that they're so hamstrung in such a crucial position for such a crucial match. It's absolutely ridiculous and just so negligent, I think, on the part of El Khalifi or whoever's making those decisions that um, that there isn't... a I was going to say world-class. I mean, it doesn't even need to be as far as world-class. Um, just a defensive midfielder. Rabio as well, I don't think is a defensive midfielder. He can do a job, no. but it shouldn't no. be that the, the politics of the club are such that a player is allowed to make such a fuss about yeah. playing in a position he doesn't want to play in that he gets away with it. Mm. So uh, to that extent, I don't think I could blame Emery. The thing... The thing I'd put more thought on with Emery is the, the strange substitutions. Um, yeah, again, I, I thought bringing Munier on, I mean, I'd have started with Munier in front of Alves anyway, but um, that seemed a very strange choice, especially for Cavani. And um, a big PSG fan told me during the week that that is something that had been sort of planned and worked on in training, so fair enough. But it still seemed a weird choice to me. And it seemed weird... Okay, taking ourselves off, um, as Phil said, was a strange choice. Seeing as he's the only one inclined to do to play in the defensive position the other day, but Draxler, I'm still absolutely unconvinced about in big matches, and Di Maria is, I think, uncontestably PSG's form player of 2018. So why not at least give him a go if you're going to put on a more attacking, maybe more left-sided midfielder why not go for Di Maria rather than Draxler you know someone also who's you know arguably got a big point to prove playing against his old club as well so I thought that was a strange choice and then so I've done the sort of politics behind the scenes and I've done Emery you've got to blame some of the players no one's blamed as Phil said Lo Celso's kind of um, been in the firing line but what about other bigger he was really really trying and you know, it could, wasn't working out. But you looked exactly, at some of the he, clips of he Neymar. He did what he could. He was Neymar was blind alleys trying to do everything himself. And you can kind of understand the pressure on him and his desire to do that. But at some point, you've got to you know, step back from that and say, but what's best for the team? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, th- I thought he was um, 
there was a very good article by um, Tim Vickery mm-hmm. saying yeah, it's absolutely. about time that Neymar Jr. became Neymar. And I think that was very well put. He's mm. still so petulant. Of course, he's an absolutely fantastic player, but it is a team. And some of the selfishness, some of the lack of passes, I don't think there was a single pass between Neymar and Cavani. Yeah. Cavani, I know Chris agrees with me certainly that um, I'm, you know, I don't think he's absolutely top class. But at the same time, he needs a bit of service. Give him a chance to, to miss sitters. <laughs> um, Neymar was giving him absolutely nothing. I thought Verratti and Rabiot were excellent. I don't, you know, I think they, they sort of did their stock a lot of good. But the, arguably the bigger players who really should have stepped up. Um, well, in terms of forward players, I'm thinking combining a Neymar and Mbappe to an extent, but he is still an 18-year-old kid. Um, but yeah, I thought Neymar was, was um, mm. awful. I mean, I, Cavani as well, again, you get the sense that he is, however much sometimes you might you know, be able to laugh at him. He is really trying. And I think that came across, was there a, a banner before PSG's game against Strasbourg at the weekend, which was to his benefit, basically saying, you know, they they respect the record. He He's a team player. He tries hard. And there might be a slight bit of niggle coming in that even though Neymar is, you know, a better quality of player than Cavani in terms of Ballon d'Or and whatever, but that Cavani does give his all on the pitch and that is respected by, you know, the, the PSG fans, by the ultras, by the banners, and they may have been making a slight point uh, with the banner they put up at the weekend. I think PSG have sort of ham- hamstrung themselves to an extent because, um, you know, old cliche, no player is bigger than the club. But I think the way PSG have behaved have pretty much said to Neymar, you are bigger than this club. Yeah. And he certainly seems the type of player who's who'd be quite happy to, to sort of pick up that baton and run with it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I very I very rarely, as host, uh, jump in uh, to, to the debates because I quite frankly like listening to you guys um, discuss things. Genuinely, I do. But um, I will jump in on this one at, at this point because I feel the need to, to almost defend PSG a bit here, which I, I don't... I don't always feel comfortable doing, but I'm going to on this occasion. I am sick to death and so sick and tired of um, so-called experts, pundits, um, just slating PSG because of the fact they have money. Um, yeah, agreed. I agree. I, I understand the reasons behind it. I listened to the the, uh, the um, podcast you probably may mention off there, Jez, about Marilyn uh, Dunning, who's a pundit I actually quite like for his his views and he's very thought forthright. But the way is almost um, you know, loving the fact that that he, he sort of compared it and said, "Oh, plucky Real Madrid beating powerhouses PSG." And he was I, being sarcastic. I actually, I actually, I actually yeah, didn't listen to it on purpose because I knew he would. Do you knew that he'd write you up. up. Yeah, but and as Phil says, point, then somebody said, "But what do you think about Manchester City?" And he's yeah. He then said, "But they're fun to watch." And oh, that's, that's all right then. No, but that's his criticism. They've mm. both got money, but as far as he's concerned, 
Man City are fun to watch and PSG aren't. I and don't remember him slagging Man, Man City off in the last few years when they weren't necessarily Exactly. At, yeah. And for the record, PSG have been fun to watch at certain points, but because nobody bothers to watch Liga or because nobody has any interest in... I mean, you know, Los Celso is a prime example of a player who, you know, would he have been given a chance in a, in a Premier League side necessarily? Would he have been brought through? You know, would Kimpampe be a starter in a Premier League side? Would Ariola have got ahead ahead of Kevin Trapp on ego and a sort of a name value alone. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying Emery's a brilliant coach. I agree with you, Jez. I, th- I think he's got flaws, but I just think this it's just such a lazy argument to just throw abuse at a club that is, yes, heavily funded, but the very fact that they're not, uh, at the moment at Europe's top table does prove that it's not all about money. You, you know, you can, you can have all the money in the world if you don't have the right players in the right positions. And trust me, I speak for, on behalf of a club who doesn't even know <laughs> how to spell defensive midfielder, let alone buy one. Um, you have to have the right tactical approach. And, and I, I feel that, that Emery's time is coming to an end, regardless of whether he manages to turn the tie on its head, which we will touch on briefly in a second. But I, yeah. I, I just it's, think it's, it's lazy. It, maybe it's a kind of a slightly more class-based situation. It's mm. the old money and the new money, and mm. PSG are the nouveau riche. Uh, one thing that was very interesting was after the match, uh, Rabiot uh, gave that quote, which was kind of, it's all very well and good to beat Dijon 8-0 but mm. these are the games where we need people to show up, which again looks slightly pointed until of of the, the official Dijon Twitter feed um, <laughs> responded to it saying, look, we did everything we can and this is how you repay us, which mm. was kind of uh, kind of adorable. But yeah. he's got a point because beating Dijon 8-0, putting five past Strasbourg at the weekend, that's fun, but these are the games where it counts. And this is where that focus has to be. And that's where you don't get away with not having a backup defensive midfielder and those kind of uh, situations. And Cavani yeah. celebrating his double against Strasbourg like he just won the World Cup. He celebrates every goal like that, though. And I think that's one of the reasons why the PSG fans are kind of appreciate him. It's like mm. everything is, yes. It's uh, it's passion with intensity. a yeah passion with an S H and a U spelling, isn't it? It's that kind of yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, overall, I really I did think there were real positives, and hmm. I was impressed with PSG um, for the most part. But like I said, it's frustrating because um, they're so close, and I think the miss the fact that they didn't do it slightly better were stupid, foreseeable. Um, errors on everyone's part. Mm. It's, it's just such a, it's a tough one to judge in terms of the second leg. But I, I do have to get your both your thoughts very briefly before we move on to a quick Europa uh, rundown. Um, in short, straightforward question: Is the tie still alive? I mean, in, on paper, a two 0 win sees, P- sees PSG through. I don't think there's any of any of the three of us that doesn't think Real Madrid are going to score uh, at the uh, PDP. Mm. So. Um, do we think they've got a chance, Phil? Do you, do you, do you feel yeah. that they, they can turn this around? Yes, but it could be 3-1 and then we're into, I presume, extra time penalties. It's going to be very tense and it didn't need to be that tense. But I think yeah. it's going to be a cracking game of football because I don't think either team knows how to 
you know, play for a nil-nil or, or something like that. You know, they're going to do what they do. Mm. And hopefully PSG will have um, uh, <laughs> more, more, more options at the base of midfield that actually are going to work and free up some of the others to, to do their attacking bits. Mm, that's the key, isn't it? Jez, what do you think? Um, are you on the uh, on the PSG train still, or do you think it's a bit off the tracks? No, I think it's, de- it's definitely still alive. I think, again, it's a, a cliche, but first goal and when it's scored is so crucial, because I think if, if um, Real score first, I can see PSG losing a little bit of heart, even though mm. it doesn't change things massively. And you know, I think that gives a lot of scope for you know Ronaldo, Ramos, etc., to spend the whole of the rest of the match acting um, and just frustrating PSG. Also, you have to remember, um, for what it's worth, you know, maybe all domestic trophies don't mean so much anymore to PSG, but they're still on for all the domestic trophies. Real Madrid have got nothing else to play for. So if you can get them a little bit nervy, then they're really get at a ball. That's that's a a phrase I've trademarked. I like that, get at a ball. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. I actually have a feeling we might see extra time in this game. I'd fancy a three-run reverse way, personally. At which point, if it hits penalties... I think I'd have to side with Real Madrid. Sadly, I think I probably will join you on that one. But um, we shall see. Uh, obviously, that's going to be next week, isn't it? Next Tuesday? Wednesday? Wednesday, I think it is. No, I it's think Tuesday. it's a couple of weeks, which also gives Motta more chance to come back. You're absolutely right. It's the 6th, isn't it? I think Tuesday. Yes, Tuesday the 6th of, of March. So we've got a fortnight. Because they're, they're doing a shift system in the Champions League. So we've got half and half and the Europa mm. League is fitting in its extra round around that. And of course, it gives PSG the opportunity to put 74 goals past two other French teams because we all know it's a farmer league. Um, let's skip on quickly. That was awfully crass of me, wasn't it? But, you know, it wasn't <laughs> um, right. We'll just just briefly, um, we're not going to go into too much details on the games themselves, but we just want to touch briefly on the other French clubs in Europe uh, this past week um, in the Europa League. Um, Jez, I'm going to give you Marseille 3, Braga 0. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> give me the one I didn't watch. Thanks. Okay, All right. I'll, I'll take that back. I'll give you one you did. Did you watch Leon? Did you watch, I watched Leon? Leon? Yeah. I'll give you that one. So they beat Villarreal three-one and took on Dembele, Nabil Fakir, and, and uh, Memphis Depay with the goals. Pablo Fornells with one back for Villarreal. Um, straightforward question: Does that away goal, <clears throat> excuse me, that Villarreal grabbed worry you at all? Because this is a game that Leon could conceivably put four or five past VRL. They've only got the three. Is that the away goal, that slight concern ahead of the second leg on Thursday? Yeah, I, th- I mean, it's a slight concern because I think they are two quite evenly matched teams. And Lyon was definitely the better team in that match, but it was a really good game. And Villarreal you know, did, did play their part and have some, have some reasonable chances as well. I mean, Lopez pulled off a, a fantastic double save quite early on, um, which could have... Um, Changed the game quite a lot. Um, so, yeah, I think 2-0 would have been a bit more comfortable than 3-1. But Lyon showed in that match that you know they really do have a lot of talent, that the goals can come from, from anywhere at any moment. So I don't think going to Villarreal should, should hold a huge amount of fear. Um, Villarreal aren't quite the same team that they were. You know, they, in Baca, they do have a very talented striker but I think they are missing the Cambu a bit and sort of mm. trying to work out what what their best formation is without him mm. um, 
you know, we'll touch on Leon a bit more later. As, as usual, I think a lot just depends on which Leon turn up. And that's not even like for the match. It's from sort of one minute to the next. Yeah. And you could even make that a microcosm of which Depay turns up because, yeah. you know, he scored an absolutely fantastic goal in that match, which might be the goal that, that sort of ultimately puts them through. But, um, you know, before that, there was a hell of a lot of dross. And um, we'll talk more about Depay's dross later. Yes, yes, indeed we shall. Um, Phil, do you want Marseille or Nice? I'll give you a well, choice. Kind of, um, have, uh, I'm kind of following them simultaneously. So if I put players in the wrong team, forgive me. Uh, <laughs> no, but I think uh, Marseille obviously beat Braga 3-0. Braga had quite a bit of their first choice defence out, either suspended or not picked. And I think it showed, but Marseille just basically went for it in a kind of very um, business-like fashion. We've got a brace for Germain and Tovan's goal, uh, which was the third. That was really nice, really nice hit. Uh, Maxime Lopez involved, I think, in the build-up, which was uh, good to see him back. And obviously Tovan had uh, success at the weekend as well. So I think that was a, a, a good result, kind of almost standard but very good standard, you know, clean sheet, three goals, going to take that forward. And then, um, you know, in a sense, whatever they do on Thursday, they're going to maybe play a bit more, a uh, bit more conservatively. It will be fine. Whereas Nice had, they were coming in on a run of, what was it? Three straight losses in Ligue 1. And it was like, this could be the chance to get back on the road because Lokomotiv Moscow are on a break. Everything's fine. Nice go 2-0 up and then everything kind of um, kind of collapsed from there. Uh, they had Coley sent off. Um, and after, after Moscow had got one back from the penalty spot, the sending off led to a free kick, which meant there was a second goal, and then there was a third. It was a hat trick for for Fernandez uh, for Lokomotiv Moscow. It wasn't a good look. They still look out of sorts and kind of cross and not uh, the kind of fluid um, force that we're you know we're maybe used to seeing from last year. So there's still some struggles for Nice. I think, and that's going to be obviously tricky uh, for them to go away uh, and try and make that up. It's mm. not looking good on that front. So, mm. OM, look, are in the driving seat. Nice need to really pull themselves together and hope everything goes right. Mm. Agreed, yeah. I, I think we're going to see two two of the three progress and uh, one of them is not Nice. So, um, yeah. yeah, work to be done there, we think. But uh, that's Europa League. Um, I say, well, of course, we'll be back with that in the Champions League um, in, uh, well, we'll cover Europa League next week and Champions League again in two weeks' time. So we will come back to that another day. Um, let's switch gears back to, to home, if you will, and uh, talk the Liga action of the past weekend. So let's uh, run through some of the results before we cherry-pick a couple of games to talk about. So, uh, Le Weekend Kifu, the results from last weekend. Uh, Monaco sliding Dijon aside uh, on the Friday night game, the 16th. Uh, Keita Balde, Camille Glick, Fabinho, penalty and Ronnie Lopez. 
uh, with the goals there, uh, two of those in the last few minutes to sort of put a bit of gloss on the scoreline. Um, PSG did what they do, uh, 5-2 victory over Strasbourg. They actually fell behind to Alou's goals, but uh, Draxler and Neymar, Di Maria and two for Edison Cavani, as mentioned previously, um, cancelling out a Bakhoken goal as well to make it 5-2 to the home side. Amiens to lose, a nil-nil draw, less said the better. A red card in that one for Fafana for Amiens, uh, which uh, a result that doesn't really suit either side particularly very much, so not great. Uh, Khan and Ren, I'm sure Rich will be cursing from wherever he's listening to this. Uh, two goals for Diafra Sacco is a bonus, but uh, Crivelli's goal early on for Khan and uh, a late Damien de Silva goal secured a point for the home side. So a Desmond there, 2-2 two, two draw. But Montpellier. It, it but. could have been so different because Con missed two penalties. Uh, in that match. Yes. How could I forget was, Ronnie Rodderland? Yes. Well, this was uh, one of them. And the interesting thing was both were given away by Ronnie Van Sabini. Uh, his first one was a fairly blatant trip on Julien Ferre where Ronnie Rodderland put the shot. The French... Uh, minute by minute, delicately describe that, that as dans le décor, in other words, up near the roof of the room. Um, and the second one was, you know when everybody complains now that defenders play in the box with kind of the hands behind their backs like they're doing um, Irish country dancing? <laughs> and it's when you see how Ben Sabini gave away this penalty that you realise why they did that, because he basically just did a star jump in front of somebody <laughs> trying to put a cross in it understandably hit his arm and uh, that was another penalty this time Kubek uh, saved John, John Terry built his career on that yeah. <laughs> I think I think Kubek may be having a word with Rami Ben Sabaini um, after, after that display because that could have been very different I think um, it's becoming Rich's uh, catchphrase Ben Sabaini is not a left back <laughs> it is isn't it it's trademarked yeah yeah, yeah I, I what one suspects defensive coaching would have been high on the agenda on the Monday morning after that yeah. performance. Um, yes, also but uh, possibly wash my car, Rami. Seriously, wash my car. <laughs> yes, and never play again. Um, <laughs> but uh, your Montpellier, Phil, one-one uh, draw mm. at home to Gangomp uh, and Gaboto. Uh, who who's it? I heard another podcast absolutely butcher his name of the day, which uh, filled me with lots of joy and delight. Um, his penalty put Gangob in front for Giovanni Co. Who else got the equaliser in 73 minutes? Uh, speaking of equalisers, there was one in the Nice Nantes game. Dante put uh, Nice in front before uh, Ranieri's men levelled through Mandiano Salas' penalty. Again, who else? That ended yeah. 1 1. Um, and Florian Tovan uh, does what he's done all season, uh, or did again on Sunday night with a 1-0 victory over Bordeaux in a game that I watched, which I'm not going to lie, I was a little bit disappointed with in the end. I thought it was going to be a bit more than it was, but a 1-0 win for uh, OM in that one. We did have a game last night, uh, or was it today? No, it was today, wasn't it? Today. Actually, Trois, Dijon, um, 0-0. It's not finished yet, I think. Still ongoing, is it? Okay. Yeah. Um, oh yes, so it is. So, so if there is a if there is any change in that score, we'll let you know. Um, roundabout was it sixty odd minutes gone? I'm just trying to find the game now. But um, the games we want to uh, focus on, we're just going to keep these kind of fairly brief. It's just a couple of talking points, really. Um, we'll uh, we'll start, uh, Jez. I'll start with you. Andre and Saint Etienne. 
on Saturday. Um, it's a one 0 win for St Etienne through uh, Robert Berich. It's not so much the game as a whole I want to talk about, but more about these two clubs and, and their sort of changing fortunes. We did cover St Etienne's return to form recently with three wins now and a draw out of their last five. Um, so feel free to, to mention them. But what is happening with Angers? I mean, they're now second bottom of Liga, 25 points. Um, they're a good couple of points from safety now. Three straight defeats, four out of the last five as well. What do you think's gone a bit wrong there? Because they were a side that impressed last season in their sort of hard-to-beat element and also the fact that they were entertaining at times. This season, it's just not happened. I mean, in a slight sense, they're still hard to beat. They're just struggling to win as well because 10 draws is a hell of a lot. I think only Montpellier can do better than that. Um, And... I think, as as we said in, in previous years or previous teams, and and possibly about Angers themselves, if you're if you're built on a, a tight defence and you know goals and wins coming just from the odd goal, it doesn't take that much of a change in fortune to, for those sort of one nil wins to turn into nil nils and nil nils to turn into one nil defeats, that kind of thing. So um, they've always been on a bit of a knife edge and you know the fact that Tokoya Kambi's had a very good first half of the season possibly kind of um, uh, sort of papered over some cracks it's strange because a lot of the the team is still um, you know the same sort of effective defense that they've had in the past I think they made some really canny summer signings I think you know Fulgini for example is a fantastic player um, I do feel that they should they should be higher up, and I'm not sure what's gone wrong. I mean, uh, some of it is, as I said, change of fortune. You take the Saint Etienne match, although Saint Etienne had more possession, Angers did have some very good chances. Ruffier had a good game. Debussy had another very you know really impressive game. Yeah, yeah, another one since he's come back. And then the goal comes down to you know big goalkeeping area error from Boutel, who's usually such a reliable keeper, but um, you know just kind of adjusting to, to being back to his um, back to Angers, back to France and um, it hasn't entirely clicked yet mm. but um, as I said you know Ruffier has one of his more dodgy moments which he certainly wants to have um, Boutel doesn't drop that simple catch and, and suddenly it's nil-nil or one-nil the other way um, and you know that they're sort of looking up rather than down yeah, um, well, think, they, uh, they don't. They don't need to let down. <laughs> um, I mean, our, our friend um, Thomas, who's a Angers fan, was looking at this saying this summed up everything that that's kind of going wrong. They have thirteen shots in the box, Angers, and basically, looking at the stats, the effort is fine. They're putting a lot of shots in. Just, their efficiency is terrible. They're not converting anything like what they should be. They're so reliant on um, Tucker Akambi. Um, now they've sent, you know, they, they've sent Crivelli out and their ability to stop shots has been, you know, ludicrously bad since the beginning of the season. And you thought bringing Boutel back would shore that up. And it was just kind of one of those things that this was a rick. And that can happen at any time. But it just so happened that 
it's kind of one of the things that he was supposed to be there to stop happening. So it kind of maybe feels like worse than it was, but I felt so sorry for him when that when that happened because you know they need to to pull themselves together they need to get that defense sorted out he is a good guy to to be managing that and that was just a really really bad day at the office i think there that even even after even after the mistake they got barrett's got a bit lucky Mm. the the defender did well to dive in to block it kind of deflected off his leg through his legs and, and crept in and could have gone anywhere could easily have been, just been a block yeah mm. yeah yeah agreed agreed um so yeah we, we shall see what happens with Anjo and St Etienne definitely upwardly mobile uh, how long it lasts we shall we shall see um just very briefly as well uh, I wanted to just touch toi one Mets nil sorry Jazz um Phil a good result this for toi um, obviously, who are upwardly mobile themselves. That's their second game without defeat now, so they're turning things the right way. Um, obviously, we don't know what the outcome of the Dijon game is yet. But um, is it is this kind of curtains for Mets? I don't want to upset Jez, but it, it was a big game. It kind of it does look like it, mm. doesn't it? Because if they got something out of that, they'd be on twenty-one. Twa would still be on twenty-four. You've got. Angier on 25, Omi on 26, etc. So they would at least have been in touching distance and now they're seven points off. I mean, it's looked bad for a while, but now that was like, because particularly because it was the bottom two playing, you're like, this is going to be, if if they're going to get something, they're going to get it here and didn't and that's um that could be unfortunately the last hope but we do have uh trois dijon nil nil yeah full town result not a classic by the sounds of it uh just briefly any any calls for the defense or are you kind of throwing in the white hanky now no, I pretty much am now i mean i think i probably was ready to after the montpellier match last week actually but um it looked, you know, I hope it kills you. It really looked like they turned a corner and, yeah. you know, until the cut match against Kant where, frankly, they outplayed Kant for most of the match. Okay, had a bad penalty shootout, fine. But even after that, I thought, okay, they've still made a you know, good, good account of themselves with a lot of first-team players out. Um, and, you know, playing Montpellier at home... I think recently we've been a bit of a, a sort of bogey club for them. We won both both matches mm-hmm. last year, beat them away this year, scoring three, which not many people do against <laughs> Montpellier. So I was relatively confident. And that match, even, you know, both keepers, I thought, had fantastic matches. And the one mistake Kawashima made um, led to the goal. So, yeah, okay. But, I, yeah, I thought probably that's that after Montpellier. But... As Phil said, with the numbers, you know, a win against Troyes still would have been maybe possible. What hurt most against Troyes was, unlike the Montpellier match, it was pretty much all Troyes. You know, it wasn't even like the first match against Troyes at home. It was all Mets, and they absolutely battered them. Keeper had a one of those, you know, worldy matches, and then in injury time, Troyes break break up fields and score which is very hurtful but okay it happens this one you know okay again it was a very late goal 88th minute i think but 
Kawashima was in a lot of people's Liga team of the week, which tells you all you need to know. Mm. Um, so it, it does, yeah, it, it doesn't look good. No, no, it doesn't. Yeah. And uh, as for Twa, well, you just never know, do you? Because a couple of decent results, but they need to find consistency to to survive because they are still mm. one of the weaker sides, you would think, over the over the term. But um, yes, um, that just um, uh, just very quickly, it was. Uh, no consolation whatsoever to see Engbakoto score, to see Diabate score for Benevento, <laughs> to see um, Sacco score twice, one of them set up by Saar. Um, you know, all <laughs> Salt in the players. wounds. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that is uh, tough to take, isn't it? Uh, it's kind of how I feel whenever I see the uh, the wonderful bearded man in a Chelsea shirt. Mane, I think, scored as well, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I think he... Oh, is it who... Uh, actually, did Liverpool play this weekend? Jeez, I can't remember. Anyway, oh, um, not then, okay. Yeah, but he, but did he did in Europe. He, he did in Europe. You're absolutely right. Yeah, and and there's a brilliant. If you haven't seen it, this is not French football related, but um, do look up the uh, Sadio Mane um, in in uh, does an impression of other oh, celebrations. Oh, that was adorable. It's wonderful. It really is. It's like your dad doing dancing at a wedding. It's fantastic. All trying to be cool. Uh, do look that up. Um, <laughs> Maybe also worth looking up with the highlights of uh, the other match, which we're going to focus on finally, for which is the uh, the Lille Leon game. Um, Leon have we we discussed a bit last week that they've gone off a bit of a cliff in terms of league our form, three defeats and a draw in the last four now, um, but obviously have potentially are going to progress in Europe. Um, and Lille, you, you know that season or those seasons where clubs, I think back to from an English football perspective, that West Ham team, the, quote, too good to go down team. Mm. Lille are falling into that. Like, we yeah. keep saying, whether well, too good, but the games are running out and they're not getting the points. So, I mean, is they still a concern given the form? Yeah, I think um, uh, a fortnight or so ago, um, Andrew Gibney wrote basically that article um, mm. that too big to go down is nothing. Uh, because it is a very worrying situation. It's not just worrying on the pitch. There are financial issues, which mean if they don't sort themselves out, whatever happens football-wise, they could be relegated at the end of the season. So you can imagine what kind of weird pressure that brings to bear on a dressing room. And they are very young because of the whole Bielsa purchase shop trolley dash thing. Um, We got a... I got a tweet from our good friend Karim saying this season's Lille team are the definition of learning on the job. And I think he sent that when they were 2-0 down. So what was really impressive was the fact that they did manage to pull it back um, and get a point there, which got them out of the the bottom three. Um, obviously, it's still not massively comfortable, but they're out of just about got out of that and what we saw there was Lyon seemed to have got over their early season habit of you know being pegged back with massive score draws but it's come back and that could just be that they were kind of in a sense resting a little bit after the Villarreal between the two Villarreal games because you're thinking Lille probably aren't going to be that much of a danger but Lille you know credit to them did you know kind of hang on and um in fairly dire circumstances pull it together to get the point out of that so 
it's uh, it's an interesting one. It, I think it was an unexpected result, but it was very heartening. I hope for the Lille fans, even though they're still kind of down there at the bottom end of the table, that there is some character in the team that whatever else is going on, wherever else it's going on, um, they've got you know they've got something about them. They're going to be trying and they're going to be trying to get themselves out of that because it is very close at the bottom. So. You know they've got the chance to to do something with that if they keep with uh, that uh, kind of uh, sense of positivity. Mm, positivity is definitely a word that needs to be used in and around uh, Lille at this particular point in time. And from a Lyon perspective, Jez, you you had a few things you you sort of teased earlier on with regards <laughs> to this game from a Lyon perspective. Um, what what yeah. is it you make of them? Is is it that they're focused on the Europa League and that's what's affecting the form, or is it just a bit? just not quite working at the moment for whatever reason um i'm not sure just quickly on on, on lil just wanted to mm. say that i don't i never subscribe to too big to go down just because um i don't think their team was very big and in mm. terms of learning on the job it was a huge overhaul and a lot of uh, yeah extremely inexperienced players and so i yeah I, if they had if they do or had gone down, I would have said too young to go down, maybe mm. something like that. But um, I was actually quite impressed with them second half. And um, the good thing about the match the other day was, depending on which of the two teams you support, you can save yourself forty-five minutes and just pick one half to watch. Um, and with Lyon, just I, I don't think it was. I don't think it was saving themselves for Europe. I mean, maybe there was an element of tiredness after Europe when you look at the fact that you know, they were mm. great first half and awful second and they did obviously they rested for Keir who um, in the end had to come on to try to save the match and um, wasn't able to but um, I just think it comes down to a lot of the the problems that that there's been with Lyon all season which again I think is a mixture of things I think do you still have to remember there are a lot of very young players in that team um and it's possibly not surprising that they you know they switch off or that they're they're not on it a hundred percent of the time um you know it happened that this week it was Tussar's turn the last two three weeks he he's looked really shattered and a bit off form. I thought this week he was excellent, but then maybe you know you could argue and Dombele wasn't didn't hit the heights that he has done recently so there's um uh there's a yeah there's a sort of a bit of a problem of consistency there um i just yeah my my frustration was was the pie to be honest he, he often is um i just most of the time i watch him i think he's absolute rubbish and then he he comes up with a great goal which kind of um hides what 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 a load of well, yeah, well, a load of rubbish he's come up with beforehand. Um, but on and that, I think it was it was against Villarreal. He he made a run down the left wing, completely flummoxed. I think two defenders, and then came up with a completely unnecessary further flick, which sort of half worked, but also half didn't because by the time he'd done that, a couple more defenders had come and covered the middle, and there was nothing he could do. And it really annoyed me. And then a couple of minutes later, he scored a 30-yard half volley. And I'm like, all right, fine, we'll let that one go. 
on on Sunday there was a hell of a lot of that kind of trying to um, all these little flicks and try to humiliate his opponents and things but there was absolutely no one product and there was no 30 yards goal to, to, to cover it it was just I thought a disgraceful performance did nothing to to try to help out his defense rarely looked to even try to complete a pass I, I yeah I was disgusted with him at the weekend and um, you know he wasn't the only one that, that didn't have a good game um, you know, a couple of defensive frailties yet again as well. But um, you know, he set an extremely bad tone. And although he's still he's still young, you know, he is certainly in comparison to quite a few of his teammates. He's quite experienced. You know, he's, he's you don't play for Man United. You don't um, become a, a Netherlands regular for nothing. You, I expect a hell of a lot more from him. Um, it shouldn't be, you know, to, Leon's second goal came from a brilliant run down his wing by Tusa. I'm not saying it was his fault that, you know, I'm not saying that it's because he wasn't doing his job that Tusa had to come in and cover his position. But I'm saying that's the kind of thing that you should be wanting him to do. Um, that's it's Tusa going above and beyond the call of duty and and Depay not even doing his job. Mm. And Which this has been leveled out before. And this kind of combines into the fact that OL are now six points mm. off third spot. Whether mm. they had to be looking at that game at the weekend as keeping in touch with the podium. It's, I think I read, I can't remember if it started, was nine. starting to break out now. And they're obviously playing Saint-Étienne at the weekend, who are on the up. Uh, now, obviously, Marseille are away at PSG, so you have to be thinking unlikely to to get something there. But this could be a very, very interesting Sunday uh, mm. in terms of how those podium spots pan out. Mm. Yeah, I, I I fancy uh, Saint Etienne to get something from Lyon. I don't, I don't. I don't know. Just have a feeling. They're they're up to a form. They look like a more organised, settled bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, I still, I'd still expect Lyon to win, but Marseille have got to sort of get out of jail free card now. You know, even if they lose, it doesn't matter. No, they're still beforehand, they still it would have done. Yeah, yeah. I think I read that Lyon. I can't remember if it was nine or eleven points that Lyon have lost from two goal leads. Yeah, there's That's, been a few, hasn't there, this season? Tarek's been rounding this up on a a regular basis on his um, kind of looks at the Lyon situation and it isn't good and it was looking better and then this was a kind of a bit of a reversion to the beginning of the season. Mm. And you say you expect them to to win at home to Sanetti and I expected them to win at home to Ren and that didn't work out quite so well. So, yeah, it's a tough one. It is a tough one. True, but again, uh, Ren... I think seem to be a bit of a bogey team. Yeah, I just point. think winning five nil at Saint Etienne, despite all the changes there, I feel that that kind of um, can't think of the right phrase, but I think that psychological edge yeah. will make a big difference. And I, you know, I'm not sure that the fans will let any Lyon player kind of go down a level. Mm-hmm. It's a bit of a weird, bit weird scheduling that game, isn't it? Four o'clock. I mean, I know we've got the big Le Classique on Sunday night, but it seems like a bit of an odd 
odd scheduling. Could they not have moved this to the weekend after, maybe? Or I just... read why, but I can't remember the reason. Ah, right, I think it reason. might be it might be Europe and mm. probably a mixture what of Europe and well, TV the, or something. The Europa League teams have to play on the Sunday after yeah. the Europa League. Mm. So it's a case of them prioritising which is in the biggest match and Marseille are playing PSG, so it's obviously that's the late match. So Lyon got kind of the silver pot and and (laughs) Nice are um, away at Bordeaux in the early game. Mm. Yeah, it's a decent Sunday. It's a decent Sunday, which uh, very good Sunday, which sort of leads us into our, our final, uh, final sort of uh, words of wisdom, if you will, and that's uh, the games that you individually both want to pick out. Um, obviously, Leon, Saint Etienne, PSG, Marseille are the two obvious candidates. Is there any other games that you might be keeping an eye on this weekend at all? Well, keeping an eye is is a a, a loose term because I. I won't, it will be part of the multiplex and I doubt it will be a large part of the multiplex, but Lille 17th are hosting Angers 19th. That's going to be another big one at the bottom of the table. But like I say, I can't imagine that it will actually trouble the TV coverage that much mm. um, when you've got Dijon Calm playing elsewhere and um, and stuff like that. So... That's one that will be interesting in how uh, the relegation battle uh, continues to pan out, I think. But other than that, yes, it's the the two Sunday games. Yeah, cue the 4-4 draw with three red cards and 86 corners. That's what I'm aiming for uh, Mm. by jinxing that. Also, I have a question for you guys, actually. I have, uh, this week, I've rebooted the French Football Weekly stats dashboard. Jez? Stay with me. Um, (laughs) I just wanted, uh, because looking at some of the KPIs, the the big numbers, the conversion rates, the save rates, which team do you think has the best save rate in the league? That's the highest proportion of shots faced that they save. Which team? Uh, mm, Shots saved. This is going to be a really random one. Is it Gangomp? I think yep. it's a trick question. So They're up PSG. There. No, PSG are mid-table on that one. Gangomp are pretty good. Um, the Marseille. average, the average for all shots is eighty-nine point two percent. For on-target shots, which is basically the important one for defences is 68.6%. The is that best, Cavani bringing the percentage down? The best team <laughs> oh, for yes. both of them is Amiens. Amiens, really? Regis okay. Gertner has been doing an absolutely fabulous job. Uh, they do have kind of the best defence in the bottom half. You know, They've only conceded 30 goals. They are being shot at an awful lot, which suggests that most of the defence are not good, but the ones being the last line of defence, are doing a bang-up job. They're saving 75.6% of shots on target. That's against 68.6% overall. They're very, very good at that. They're just not very good at the attacking. So that was something I noticed from the uh, the stats roundup. We'll maybe be doing something a, a bit more on that when... Uh, 
well I've got all those stats bedded in but the, the dashboard is available we'll tweet that out so you can have a look at the KPIs and uh, where FFB stands as well mm. great yeah agreed it's um it's an interesting stat that that's uh, I do like a good stat from time to time although I do spend a lot of time arguing with people saying stats prove nothing so well I they always have to be in context like yes that season when Evian had like the fourth best conversion rate in the league but got relegated very simple reason for that they didn't shoot a lot so mm. it doesn't matter if you're efficient you have to be in it to win it Mm. Or like shoot. Cavani scoring 30, 30 goals in the league and going missing. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bless him. Have you got, have you got a game, Jez, that you uh, want to keep an eye on other than the obvious two on the Sunday? Um, other than the obvious two, I think Bordeaux-Nice could be good because although, although they lost at the weekend, Bordeaux so far under Poyet have looked kind of a lot better. And Nice still have the potential to 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 play very well mm. um so i mean that that could be a good one monaco to lose i think you know i don't think i think this is the um reverse fixture of the very first game of the season where Toulouse really gave monaco a fright mm. and uh, i mean the whole the whole fixture list is the reverse of the first match of the season um but yeah Toulouse really um gave monaco a fright then i think with um that was when Mashash scored for Toulouse before beating up his own coach and being exiled. Um, <laughs> and, you, do. Uh, you know, Monaco are in very good form at the moment. Um, it's a huge chance for them to, to create a bit of a gap with, with um, Marseille and Lyon having tough matches. But I just got a sneaky feeling that, again, they won't have it all their own way against Toulouse. Hmm. Yeah, good shout. Toulouse certainly needs to start picking up points and fast. Okay, uh, goodly. Um, well, I think that will do us for this week. Then. I think we've, we've got through a mountain of, of information there. So hopefully you have enjoyed. Um, we will, of course, return... Uh, this time next week, barring uh, death or uh, or being snowed in, because apparently, according to the weather forecast uh, here in Plymouth in the UK, apparently I'm, a, I'm about to we're about to get absolutely inundated with snow next week. So um, hopefully that half, doesn't. I'm, I'm doing a half marathon in Brighton on Sunday, and it's oh Friday. god, the weather forecast is one degree. Oh, beautiful! <laughs> Hashtag pray for jazz. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that that will be an interesting. Uh, may I recommend, Jez, that you purchase something that I, in my thirty-five years of life, never thought I would ever purchase, uh, but have done so, and that is running tights. Uh, I have some. I've rarely worn them, but I think I will do on Sunday. I think it might be wise. Yes, uh, I am indeed also training for a half marathon, like you. And uh, anything that keeps the old muscles uh, nice and tight is got to be a good thing. So, yeah. um, yes. whereas I just buy tights and then they get runs. So. <laughs> yeah, yes, uh, I don't think uh, natural tights would really be my my thing. I think I'm feminine enough. Um, before I dig myself any deeper into a hole of potential stressing analogies, we're going to leave it there. Um, but my thanks to uh, to Jez and to Phil for your time this evening. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. And of course, uh, a big shout out to Rich in his absence this week. He will return, I'm sure, very soon. So uh, happy days for you, Rich. Hope all is well. Uh, so we'll be back, as I say, this time next week, all being well. Uh, enjoy your weekend. It's a cracking Sunday, but have a little look at the Saturday games as well, because you know we will be. Until next week, enjoy your French football, and we'll speak to you very soon.